0: and you are listening to wrestling for the Faith with Casey cage stay tuned or I come after you
1: hello everyone thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of wrestling for the faith I'm joined here today by uh, one of my trainers the man who gave me my first bumps and broke me into the Sport of professional wrestling, but before we get to him, I want to read uh, from Psalms chapter 50 uh, beginning at verse 10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation And uphold me by your generous spirit. One of the things that I always have loved about David, you know, David is is a man in the Bible. The only man, in fact, that the Bible uh, it says that he is a man after God's own heart. And the reason for that is when David messed up, he repented. When David messed up, he turned. And, and went back to God. He didn't just use his failure as an excuse to lay down and live in his sin and, and just live in a continual lifestyle of sin. David was a man after God's own heart because he turned to God when he knew he was in trouble, when he knew he had made a mistake, when he knew he had sinned, he turned to God. And so that's the exact same way that we all Uh, need to be we need to understand that Jesus died for us he loves us and he's always waiting with open arms to receive us into the kingdom he wants to forgive us he wants to restore us he wants to set us on the right path and he wants our lives to glorify God so so many times we do like Adam and Eve when they sinned in the garden, uh, they, they ran and hid from God or tried to hide from God. But we can't hide from God. Uh, but we don't need to run away from God. We need to always run to God. He's there waiting with arms wide open. So I hope that that blesses you. I hope you will, you'll, you'll take that word. And let it encourage you. And, and if you need restoration today, if you need uh, a relationship with Jesus, He is there. He's always waiting uh, for you. He's never going to leave you, He's never going to forsake you. So, with that said, let me introduce, like I said, one of my trainers and the man who broke me into the sport, Big Henry Hoth. Hothy, baby how you doing
0: i'm doing good and before we get started <clears throat> on know uh, my career backtracking and everything that verse you just said uh where david had sinned he had uh his best friend put on the front line to get killed so he could be with his wife mm-hmm. you know that one verse uh has stuck with me my whole life especially when uh like if I was in a, at the time when I was married, I, I didn't, no matter how bad things got, I stayed true because the price that he had to pay mm-hmm. when he lost, when they lost their child, I could never, I would never, you know well, the father I am. Yeah. You know the father I am to my kids and, and I could, there's no way that I could ever have done something like that. The Last thing, I mean, if you truly love your kids, you're going to do what's right, period. Yeah. And and uh, I I still stand by that to this day. You know, and yeah, I mean, once you're committed to that one person, that's it. Yeah, there's no other. Mm-hmm. So so people come out here nowadays, and and. You know, if something's wrong or, or something ain't right, then they just start going, you know, they got a wife or they have a husband and they go out and they start uh, going out and seeking other pleasures. They don't know the damage they're doing mm-hmm. because who's going to benefit it? Benefit from it? No one is. Right. All it's going to do is cause destruction. Yeah. So I don't think... A lot of people take it as serious as they used to, and but to me, it's a very serious thing. And but uh, I just want to share that yeah. right before we get started. And so, whenever you're ready, oh, that's let's roll. That's that's great. Uh,
1: it is. It's something that you know. It's it's cool to live in sin today. Mm-hmm. It, it's cool, uh, you know. It's cool to be vulgar. It's cool to be. Um. I'm trying to think of a a, a word, uh, just well. It's it,
0: it's cool to be, whorish. Yeah, it, it's more the it's more of a, the uh, if it feel if it feels good, do it. Right. Type of uh, life today, and and it's not
1: that's that's not that's not god's desire god's desire is for us to live for him and let him live in and through us mm-hmm. and you know as far as marriage goes uh i before i was married i i did it all wrong mm. uh but i can say from my experience and and being who Jesus has made me now that the love and the passion that I have in marriage mm-hmm. uh you know, emotionally, physically, uh, mentally, all of it is so much greater. Doing it God's way yes. is so much yes. greater yes. than the worldly way that I used to uh used to live by, mm. you know. But anyway, uh, so I mentioned that you broke me into the sport Mm -hmm. so we can go back and we could talk a little bit about your beginning. I do want to touch on your football days before we get into wrestling
0: though. (laughs) Well, um, I was offensive tackle for uh, Bradley high school from 89 to 91, uh, I had a pretty good football career. I didn't get to play very much as a sophomore. Played played a lot my junior year, and then I was a full time starter my senior year. And uh, had a lot of had a lot of schools interested in me from mid major colleges to power power five programs as they call it today. Mm-hmm. Uh, things just didn't work out, and it wasn't because of uh, academics or being in shape or anything. It was just uh just things didn't work out like I'd hoped uh, I was disappointed uh, but uh, you know may, maybe that wasn't a path that was chosen for me right that was meant for me to go mm-hmm. so uh, and for years I had a lot of bitterness about it because I knew I could play at that level I right. knew I could but uh, but there just there was a time and day I was just like you know what I got a good life I got two beautiful kids and uh you know it's, it's time to move on so right. i was able to let it go with a lot of prayer yeah <laughs> with a lot of praying, i was able to let it go and so you know i'm here now i'm i'm 47 a day <laughs> happy birthday by the way <laughs> thank you and uh so so uh you know no complaints uh i had a good time and and uh I, I did enjoy the the publicity and going around on college tours and seeing all these massive stadiums where that could hold ninety three thousand or hundred two four four five yeah. now. Uh, uh, Trav the traveling, you know that that's that's what I really really set my sights on. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, it was my dream to play for Kansas City Chiefs and and uh, but but heck if I can't. I couldn't have never played for him. I'm definitely a fan. Have been since 1988, and, and uh, never thought in my lifetime they was gonna win the Super Bowl. They did, and <laughs> they've been doing pretty, pretty good for the last couple of years at least. Well, uh, well the last seven years, <laughs> 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 ever since Andy Reid took over. But, uh, but yeah, you know life's good now, and, and uh, I've become become a grand grandpa. Uh, Three months ago, Miss Charlie May, and you know, uh, you know, you you love your kids, you mm-hmm. know, you you put your kids in a place where you think love is un 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 unexplainable, but then when you hold that granddaughter, <laughs> and you're thinking, I've never felt this before in my, my life. life, never. I mean, you love your kids, but man, when I when I first held my granddaughter and I seen them little blue eyes, it's just like it's like whatever hole, whatever crack, whatever scar was on my heart tilled. Mm. that's it's great. I love it. Anybody that's else nice. out there when you become a grandparent, you start getting gray hairs and thinking I'm too old to love, I'm too old to love, when your <laughs> child has your child has a grand- you know a child of their own, then you'll see what love is, I promise you, yeah. <laughs> so all right, so you went
1: from uh went from playing football in high school and then now how did you for the listeners out there, how did you break into wrestling?
0: Well, uh my uncle Jim, who lived right up the road from me, he would he was going down to a show called TWA every Friday night down in Cleveland off Blue Springs Road. He had asked me, he said, why don't you come with us? It's only five bucks. <clears throat> and so I just thought, well, heck, yeah, you know, why not? So every Friday night I was going down to watching wrestling with my uncle. And, and I was sitting there in the crowd, and I would I got up, and I went to a concession stand. There was uh, I guess it was one of the promoters or trainers were standing over there, and they kept looking at me. And I look at them, and I nod my head, and they nod back. And then at the end of the show – I guess it'd probably been about three or four months i have been going consistent and uh, uh, finally one of them just come up and said uh, can we talk to you for a minute? I'm like okay and so he said uh, have you ever thought about being a pro wrestler? I said no not really but I was like "Do uh, are you thinking I should try? He said yeah he said, uh, he said you got a good frame you, you know you're a big boy and he said but, "Uh." We just, you know, like to know if you'd be interested. And I said, well, yeah, I'll, I'll try it. They said, be here tomorrow at 12 o'clock. And so here I am sitting on your love seat in your house 29 years later <laughs> telling the story. Yeah. So went in there and we started training. And uh they didn't teach me nothing for three weeks because mm. I constantly got beat. <laughs> I got beat. And I don't mean – uh, I mean, it it was more the, you know, I thought my dad took me to the woodshed. No, right. they they put me in the woodshed. They put me through a chipper. They was making sure. You they were was making to have sure. The they, they they it, made the one. Yes, and that that's way they used to do it back in the days. They would beat you senseless to make sure if you was going to waste their time, put their name and reputation on mm-hmm. the line. That you were gonna be committed to it. Right. And I think they went through like ten or twelve people in a three-week period. And I was the and it was me and a guy named Courtney. I can't remember the other guys' name, but there was only three of us left. Hmm. <clears throat> now this now it started getting to the spring, and where temperatures started really getting hot. They would have us run around the building ten times. And then as soon as we got on the tenth one, we had to shoot into the ring and start running ropes for three minutes straight. <laughs> Hard as you could. I, now, I thought I was going to was a few times. I thought I was, I was going to pass out. Yeah. And uh, did I puke? I, I puked every day. <laughs> every day I puked. And I sit there and I and, – the more I started taking all this in, and the more all the you know when we were getting beat, the more I started loving it. Yeah. And here I am thinking, this is worse than two days in football, but mm-hmm. I'm still here because I'm wanting more. Right. And and uh, uh, I mean having to run the railroad tracks, uh, especially in, during the summertime, we had to run two miles. We had to run a mile, a mile down, a mile back. And uh, they always warned us, "Fat trains coming. Get make sure you get off the track." <laughs> <laughs> Duh. Duh. <laughs> so, so here it is. I mean, the the, the railroad ties and and those big, uh, blah whatever they call them. The, 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 I don't okay. know what you're talking about. Yeah, I they lay the tracks. So yeah. on. that sun's coming straight down. You can see the heat just rising up. Just off of it, and you're sitting there, and you're just pouring sweat, and uh, I mean, it's it's like I I'd, I'd show up in my in a shirt, and as soon as I got through just running, uh, sweat would just, just be just dropping off at the ends of my shirt. It <laughs> it was unreal, and I I bet you within a three and a half month period, I lost. Let's see, I weighed when I started training, I was I was hitting the scales about two ninety three a healthy 293 pounds yeah and uh when i had my first match i was down to 261 <laughs> they had sawed you down to say that, yeah and uh and i, w- I wasn't really that ch- i mean i had a little bit of chubbiness to me but that that was gone <laughs> yeah when i when i slept when i started uh getting in my pants and everything my clothes just started hanging off of me and my mom told me she goes uh Son, if you keep losing weight, you're going to look like a, a white Ethiopian. <laughs> so, but we got it. And then after that third week and all the, you know, we went through the training and everything. Or, or uh, you know, the let's see if the kid really wants it. Yeah. Then they started working with us on holds, lockups, uh, arm bars, uh, bumps. Uh, that's Of course, that's the first thing we learned, how right. to bump. Then we did the lockups, and then we you know we just start going through we do this this, 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 and we were just constantly working on that for two and three hours at a time mm-hmm. and uh uh on top of that, I was during the summertime I was shoveling asphalt at the street department, and then I was training as soon as I get off work, I go straight there, we trained from three thirty to six thirty and as soon as I was done that, I was at the ball fields playing ball. <laughs> so you staying pretty busy. And I was staying active. active. Yeah, yeah. And uh, believe me, I didn't think, you know, I, I never thought I'd get the set of lungs on me I had. But <laughs> it got to where I could run up, you know, up to I was running up to three to four, sometimes five miles a day, and and uh, I, I, it was like it was nothing. I yeah. just I just felt like I was floating when right. I was running, and so. Uh, I had been training for about three and a half months and they were gonna wait probably around July before they was gonna give me my first match but uh something happened. Uh Terry, uh the original gangster, uh his name was Terry Berry, uh I guess there was uh something must have went wrong, but he he walked. Mm-hmm. You know, he was done with it, he didn't want to do it no more, so I was pulling up and then my trainer randy spiegel or Mm. randy cowboy randy Steele, he had uh he said hey i got i need to talk to you i'm like okay what'd i do he come in he said uh you feel you're ready i'm like yeah I, i think so he said well you're gonna have your first match saturday night and uh so we got in there and we started going through the match and trying to figure out what we was going to do I mean it was just every night we hammered I think that was on a Wednesday night and then Wednesday night Thursday night Friday night all we done was worked our first match that Mm. was it so here I am as soon as I got paid uh, went to Walmart and uh, got me a black t-shirt some black cargo pants of course I already had my boots and Randy had a black mask for me to wear (laughs) now during the summertime, it is not fun to wear a mask. No, it is not. <laughs> okay. Well, now, I tell you that, thank God that I had done all that conditioning and cardio because we went probably right around about the 30-minute mark. Yeah. Uh I thought I was going to pass out. Yeah. Because, I mean, it, it's, when you're sitting there and you're sucking wind trying to get through that mask, it's got that little... Lint piece over the mouth and your nose, and you're sitting there. Yeah, and you're breathing so hard that the lint's actually coming in your mouth and up your nostrils because you know you're trying to get air. Yeah, but well, so, and and
1: what some people don't understand is, you know, you see these people in the gym and they can run mm-hmm. uh, on a treadmill or or whatever they can run miles and miles and and, and be fine, but then they get in the <coughs> ring, they get in the ring and it's a totally different thing it is gym cardio and wrestling ring cardio is two different things and then you add working under a hood or in the mask on top of that that is whoa yes i mean that's that's like 10 times
0: worse it is it's like you're just stuck in a sauna you know and so and especially when i was wearing all black attire in the summertime right Building was muggy, and I mean, you know, we was having a boxing match. They were having boxing matches and wrestling matches back and forth. So, I don't know what it was that Doug Watkins, God rest his soul, had uh, worked out with them, but they was able to pull it off, and they'd have a uh, boxing match, then they had a wrestling match, boxing match, wrestling match. So, I think me and Randy was the fifth, going on fourth or fifth. I can't remember, and I. I wasn't even nervous. Hmm. I wasn't even nervous. And I remember the, I came out to Metallica's wherever I may roam. <laughs> of course, everybody was loving it. In, enter, enter Sandman. But I, I loved wherever right. Wherever I may roam. And uh, I, I don't know. But it, it was like, when I stepped through that curtain for the first time, it's like no, I couldn't hear Nobody. I was so focused on that first match. I couldn't hear nobody. I couldn't even, it's like you couldn't even see nobody. All you could see was the ring. Yeah. And we got in there and buddy, we got that crowd going. Right. And he hit me with his finisher. He, you know, and they made me the champion. i was thinking, God, how many, how many guys their first match gets to be the champion. Right. And it was an old deep South tag team title belt. And, uh, uh, I, I thought I fell on top of the world, man. I, I did. I was, I was turning around. And I was going. I was thinking, "Who Rick Flair ain't got nothing on the Space Mountain like I do."
1: But uh, we so, got it there. Go ahead. Oh, now the gimmick. Yeah. The the first gimmick. Dark Destroyer. Okay. Now, did you come up with this, or Randy come up with it,
0: or, or? I, I can't. I just I just got the outfit, and I actually did not come up with the name till the day of the show. Oh, okay because i was sitting there and i was I was up to two or three o'clock in the morning and I was writing everything down names 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 black destroyer dark destroyer uh uh you know crazy names uh i think I' come up with one it was kind of like a german name it was called uh uh blitz von Break Your neck or something, <laughs> something like that and it was crazy stuff and but so I settled with a dark destroyer i you know i asked my brother my my brother Chris, he always likes giving his opinions, and I wrote all these names down, and I, I handed it to him, and I said, "What do you think?" He turned around, and he 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 circled it and it said, "Dark Destroyer." Hmm. So that's what it went with, and, and uh, so I remember my first. I remember now you
1: had started training me, and then I don't even remember how it happened, but uh, there was a promoter out of Georgia called me and was needing some extra guys yeah. for a show on Saturday. And he calls me and asks me to come down. And so, you know, uh, I was trained respect. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I'm not getting in the ring unless my trainer tells me that I'm good. So I remember calling you and I'm like, hey, what, what do you think? All right. Am I am I ready? And you said I, I think you can I think you'd be all right with this. And you went down with me. I like, went down yeah. with you. Uh, but I remember you talking about trying to come up with names. I remember uh, after I got off the phone with you, I called I called him back and I said uh, I said okay um, I said I, I can come down Saturday, and he said okay. What's your name? <laughs> and I'm sitting on the front porch. Uh, and I'm like uh, I said <laughs> Casey and he said well what's your last name kid and I, I'm I'm looking around and I'm like I've not thought this through you know and, and I I look over to the right of the house off the porch and I see the dog kennel yeah and I said uh cage but spell it with a k yeah. <laughs> so so that was that was how that came about and and thankfully I've just stuck with it but but yeah, that that process of trying to come up with names and stuff, especially when you're you're in that position where it's like, hey, I need I need you to tell me this now. Yeah. You know, like you were in, you're at the day of the show, and oh, well, what's my name going to be? Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, so we had we had a good match, and you know, I remember back in when we used to have the VHS, and I was sitting there and I was watching the matches, and and. Uh, i wasn't really even paying attention to the match but i would watched the crowd a lot of people were just standing around stuff like that and they wouldn't really pay attention to it by the end of that match everybody in that building was turned watching mm. everybody was because the crowd was so hot and i mean even the boxes were standing out there they were like they had a trailer out the back for the boxes well even the boxers were standing in the building watching the match and i mean they Crowd was hot. I mean, we we do the two good faults, you know, back in. I mean, the clothesline was a power move. And, and oh, he's going to pin him. And I would hit Randy with the clothesline. I go down and pin him. And Joe Evans, one, two. Randy kick out. Crowd, oh, God. And then uh, we was getting ready to take it home. Randy was sucking wind. I was sucking wind. He turned around. And he's, he's like, take it home, kid. <laughs> Yeah, I, he turned around, and I shot him off, and I ran into him, and when he stuck his boot out, you're supposed to st- stick it. And as soon as the boot touches your face, you're supposed to take your bum. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had Randy look like a ballerina, because his right leg was sticking <laughs> up right beside his ear. <laughs> and... uh yeah, my gosh. My dad don't know a lick of beans about pro wrestling. He looked at me and said, Son, weren't you supposed to fall as soon as you face in his boot? <laughs> oh, you took it all. Huh? I took it oh, all. man. But I, I ate boot. I ate the sole of somebody's <laughs> boot that night. But uh Randy uh then he 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 pinned me and uh he pinned me to come the champ and I remember his sweet loving mama was standing out in the crowd was out in the crowd, I, and uh, I don't, well, if his mama or his mother-in-law, I can't remember, but boy, she was jumping up and down, and everybody was hollering, and, and it, it got so loud in there the camera, the hard camera was shaking <laughs> because everybody was just oh, so yeah. ecstatic. And uh, but it, you know, and and then uh, walked in the back. And then uh, Roger Sartain, he was shot caller, and he said, "He said, kid, that was a dang good match." And Randy came in there, he gave me a hug, and said, "You made me proud." And and uh, that's that's when it took off. So that's pretty good. So then, uh, I know
1: you did some other other gimmick shows here and there, yeah. and other gimmicks. Now,
0: where the gimmicks? What you went from the Dark Destroyer, and then I went to the Russian Nightmare. Okay. That was the whole that was the whole purpose. They was gonna bring me man's rushing, but they was looking for a replacement, so you know, on such short term notice, I mean this is like the week of the show getting everything set up. And uh so we I continued to do I think about three or four more shows as the dark destroyer and then they just they scratched that gimmick. So in here I come as a Russian nightmare. Now I got an eight foot logging chain, big shiny log chain. I didn't even have to. I I, I didn't even have to say a word, <laughs> other than just to walk out. And on my butchers was a big red Soviet emblem. Mm-hmm. That was it. I didn't have to yell at them. I didn't have to tell them shut up. I didn't have to tell them. I didn't say anything. Good, easy heat. Oh, easy, (laughs) easy, brother, easy. And then I go in there, and uh, they were ready to kill me. They were virtually ready to kill me. And uh, did I did the Russian gimmick for a little bit, and then uh, I did a few shows. I did a couple shows in Atlanta with the gimmick. Got over well there. I, I. don't remember the promoter's name at the time uh then after that i it got to the point i was getting death threats mm. from, from crowds so i was like Ooh, this is getting serious here tonight. <laughs> if i was doing this for a living, you know i'd keep doing it right. but so i uh, at the time i was really studying bret hart and i was a, i was a huge mark i'm not gonna lie and, Ooh, and, I think we all are. That's that's what got us here. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and uh, so I, I got I started doing the hitman gimmick, and uh, you know I I got a I got an outfit similar to Bret Hart's, not identical but similar. It went really well, mm-hmm. and uh, but uh, it just it just it I still wasn't feeling myself. Right, I was not feeling myself. I did that gimmick from 95 till 2000. So they was telling me that I've always loved being, doing like the outlaw gimmick, the mm-hmm. cowboy, the farm boy. So I turned around and I started, I took some time off around between 2000 and 2001. And I started, you know, I started toying with a object of trying another gimmick again. So, one night, I was watching Bonanza. <laughs> Hoss, Cartwright. Yep. I was like, Hoss. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. We're on to something here. And I turned around, and I had a pair of overalls that was in my closet. And I turned, and I looked at my overalls. I went, oh, boy. <laughs> it's coming together now. And I took the scissors, and I cut cut the, uh from the knees down, I cut the, Legs of the overalls off. Went and got, uh, I went and got an airbrushed hoss on the on my backside. Mm-hmm. And I was like, now, nah, I just can't go by hoss, but I got to come up with something. Now, what would good go with hoss? And I was sitting there debating Hank, Henry, Hank, Henry. And then I called uh, Bill Behrens. Well, I mean, well, I don't want to get too far ahead of how I got associated with Bill Behrens, but...
1: Uh, actually you can, you can go ahead and tell that story if you want to and then come back to okay. to talking to Bill about the Hoss gimmick
0: okay so I, I called Bill and I said okay Bill I got the gimmick and uh, he said well what'd you come up with I said I definitely want Hoss and the name of Hoss and the character I was like would you prefer Hank or Henry he went back he said I like Henry Hoss I said okay so he said perfect it's perfect I love it and I said alright good so Going back to how I got uh, to know Bill uh, Bull Buchanan, mm-hmm. uh, he was in uh, WWF at the time or E, and uh, he's like, here he started. You know, he gave me Paul Heyman's number. He gave me he gave me Bill Barron's number, and so I called both. I called both, and uh, of course. Fifteen years later, I find out Paul Heyman never does answer his phone calls. <laughs> so I, talked to, uh, so I ta- talked to Bill, and he said, well, come down for a tryout, and uh, Rick Michaels, he was the head trainer there. So me and a guy I used to tag with, his name was Don Espy. We went down, we did a tryout. They, they liked us, you know, two big guys that can work and fly around the ring. So I, you know – I was getting all my gear together and we was doing a Saturday night show. And, uh, I went first, I went in as big D Mm. and, uh, so they was one guy they brought in from North Carolina. He was doing some thunder chicken gimmick. (laughs) Well, that's what I called him. Thunder (laughs) chicken. (laughs) He he was trying to portray one of the young bloods. Okay. Gimmicks. And, uh, Dude, he was a sleaze bag, but anyways, um, I just turned around. And I told Bill at that time, I was like, I gotta find something. This, this is not working. This gimmick ain't working. Yeah. So that's when I was sitting there, and I just committed myself to finding a gimmick that would suit me and what, what the people would like. And everybody, I kept hearing the Scotty Wren, He kept saying, "Man," he said, "I did this." Uh, cunt, farm boy gimmick country boy and he said they loved it he said i think it looked great on you so that's when i sit down i was up late night and i was sitting there picking my brains out trying to figure out what gimmick to come up with and that's when i saw the hawks cart ride i saw the overalls and then of course my uncle's name was henry mm. god rest his soul and uh so it just come together henry hops yeah. and then and then um I called Bill. Bill says, well, he said, we think we need, you need to do a little bit more work, try to get sharpened up, but we want you to be on TV. So I did three Friday night shows, and by my third Friday night show, Bill says, I think you're ready. He said, be here March 17th. So on March 17th, 2001, the entire nation got to see Big Henry House. Yeah. And that's when Big Henry House was born. So now, now – <clears throat> You're talking about NWA Wildside TV. Now you were doing, uh, those were house shows on the Friday nights. Or? Uh, yes, those were okay. house shows on Friday nights, and then we went uh, na- uh, did national TV tapings uh every first and third. So was you month. doing the house gimmick
1: up until? No. You okay? So you no. were just doing another gimmick, just working, and
0: then you debuted the house gimmick on the on the TV. Oh no! no. on the h- house shows, I did do house. Okay. Okay. I did do Hawks, and, uh, when I, you know, when when I first walked in that locker room, you know, you just, you saw the boys, are all chilling, you introduce yourself and everything, and, and so, uh, uh, it was, it was intimidating. Oh, uh, yeah. It was intimidating, man. Uh, I was sitting there, and I was watching the, uh, the, uh, screen in the back with, uh, other of the boys, uh. I'm sitting there and I'm blown away. I'm like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm definitely gonna have to get my game up here. If I'm if I'm gonna stay in this locker room and be a part of the show, I'm gonna have to step up my game. Right. Because you know, you know, back in the day there used to be outlaw shows, indep independent, and then there was mainstream. Right. And uh I so you go from an outlaw show to an independent, yeah, your game's gotta be up a level I mean, he's just got to be up there. And and I was fortunate enough to be in a locker room with guys like, you know, AJ Styles. Yep. And look where he's at now Mm -hmm. AJ Styles, Onyx, Cold Twins, Caprice Coleman, Jason Cross, uh, uh, Adam Jacobs, uh, James Phoenix. I think that's his name. That's his name. Then there was Sean Schultz. Not Sean Schultz. That was another one. Uh, God, what's his name? Whether it was Tank, Iceberg, all them boys were there. And, and I mean, it was like NWA Wildside was what WWE was back in the late 90s. Yeah. I mean, it was the, I mean, as far as being the it independent show, it was the place to be. It was the place to be because there was more talent signing with mainstream. I mean, uh, our truth. Mm-hmm. Ron the truth killings. He, he left for WWF the week before I got there. When mm-hmm. I was doing my, my uh house shows, he sent a video in to WWF. The net that week they called him. He mm-hmm. was gone. They signed him. And then uh had my first match, uh, national televised taping with, uh, Prince Justice, a.k.a. Chris Parks, a.k.a. Abyss, a.k.a. his brother, whatever his twin brother. (laughs) Joseph Parks. Joseph Parks, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we had a great match and, uh, and, uh, and then that's when things started steadily picking up and, Bill saw that I was over because the first time I came out to uh, She Thinks My Tractor (laughs) sexy by Kenny Chesney and the crowd just went crazy. Yeah. And, and, uh, after our match I walked through there and Bill pulled me outside he says, uh, he said, looks like we got a superstar here. (laughs) (laughs) And so, Bill, he used me how I would best benefit the show. I did, I did a lot of the first matches and, uh, you know, I was getting really over with the crowd and I, you know, I was always told by promoters, your, uh, your pop is your push mm. or your heat, your push. And, uh, so I didn't understand that, but, because I thought, you know, I was I was going so over with the crowd that he would Why start am pooping. I not the main event? Yeah. yeah. well well, you got AJ Styles, that's one reason. Right. I mean nothing against AJ, but it's just he could he could but just, he was the top guy he he he, he was the top dog of the of the show. And uh so so I took it as a personal goal to make sure that my that first match looked like main event. Yeah. And then because I've always been told by every promoter that the first match sets the tone mhm for the show. The first one and the last one. The is first one the most important. And Bill had me pegged at the first match probably ninety percent of the time. Yeah. And I and there was there was a couple times uh, you know, Bill put me in my main event and uh which uh you know, but I was just—it got to the point where I was liking it so much, it being the first match where I could just do do the match, get paid, get dressed, and head home because yeah. it was, it was almost a four-hour drive from Charleston to to uh, Cornelius, Georgia, yeah. and it was all mountains, right?
1: But uh, but I mean, you know, with that that first match, you get to go out there when the crowds still hot, they're mm-hmm. fresh, they're not drained yet, mm-hmm. and you know I, I've had. I've even when I've been booking and stuff I've had had guys get mad about being the first match mm-hmm. and it's like you don't understand what a responsibility you have you know we're putting you uh now I know maybe some crap show promoters would put their uh least talented guys on first but any smart booker mm-hmm. uh is going to put on something At the beginning, that's going to get the crowd going. Yeah, you know, and 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 something that's going to make the other guys have to step up their game for the rest of the show. So it's that first match
0: sets the pace. So it's an honor
1: to be in that.
0: Yes, and and that's where Bill had me pegged about every TV tape was first match, and which was fine. I loved, you know, I was fine with it. It It's just it was it wasn't even about ego. My uh, an ego, it was just I was happy right you know I, i'm still happy i'm still getting booked every tv taping where he could have just shipped me off yeah sent me somewhere else but but i do i do owe a lot of thanks to bill for uh you know sticking with me and, and uh giving me that opportunity to set the tone for the show and uh, and had a really 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 good run uh however i, I kind of didn't like the way it ended but uh, I had, uh, there was a tag team called uh, Total Destruction. It was Sean Royal and Rusty Riddle, mm-hmm. And uh, they were called Total Destruction. And they were, he Bill was wanting to bring them back because they were so over with the crowd. But he couldn't find nobody that wanted to work them. Why not? Why, they're afraid of them. <laughs> I laughed. And I said, I'm not afraid of Sean and Royal, uh, Sean and Rusty. I said, i love to work the guys. And uh, because we always talked about wanting to work one another. Right. He said, well, we got to find a tag team partner for you. And uh, so uh, John Dalton, he was, John was about 6'5", about 260, 270. I said, let me call John and see if he'd be interested in it. So I called John from the show. And I was like, uh, I said, John, and I started talking to John about it. And he said, well, I'm five minutes away. I'm booked. And I didn't even know it. Mm. So, John, he said, I'll be there at the him in five minutes, brother. He said, we'll get – he said, uh, we'll we'll talk with Bill and everything. So, we talked to Bill, and, and uh, I told Bill, I said, I'll, I'll turn heel. And Bill just – he almost dropped his book. He said, mm. what? I said, I'll turn heel. I said, let me work Sean and Rusty. I'll turn heel. Yeah. Just let me work him. I've always wanted to work him. He said, are you sure? 100% sure? I said, yeah, I'm sure. So – <laughs> we we was in the six man tag and me and John, when we were in the six man tag, that's how we had to set up, I would, we would not touch one another in the ring. We just lock up, we do clean breaks, all that. Hey we you know, we backed off and everybody kept saying, Hit hey, him hit him, hit him, hit him and I wouldn't hit him. I was like, No, I can't do that and I I just back off. I go over and I tag one of the other guys in. Well, come time for the hot tag he and i got the hot tag at mm-hmm. the same time so as we started coming into the ring we went at one another and then we stopped we smiled at one another shook hands turned around we just started just pulp just pulverizing mm. the other guys we were working with and uh and then uh, we shook hands and we just started just you know cleaning the house and you could have heard a pin drop in that building. People were shocked. Oh, my God. Why, 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 house? Why, why, why? 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 <laughs> and, uh why, we, And we just love it. And then uh, Sean and Rusty came back for the next TV taping. We went out there, and uh, <laughs> Rusty had a Coors Light in his hand. He's like, Come on, man. He said, why don't you just chill out? He was more of the surfer type dude. And, <laughs> and uh, Sean, uh, Rusty was more like the, the, the deep, grunted voice. I'm more like, kick your rap, bro. I'm gonna, <laughs> you <laughs> know, come on, bro. You know, Rusty's like, hey, man, come on. Hey, just here. Let's have a beer. Come on, man. Chill out now. And, out there and I, smacked the, I smacked the beer out of his hand. He shook his head, boy, and we just started. We just started going to war right there. And I mean, what they had to do bring security and other workers in, do a pull apart, and and uh, and I mean, that crowd was getting hot. Oh, it was getting hot. And then they we did the pull apart. And then we come back for the next TV taping, and and, uh, and uh, the crowd was right, boy. As soon as the for uh, for whom the bell tolls started playing, uh the crowd was on their feet, and they they were coming out and. They got to the ring. We just went to a full blown war, and uh, he got to a point. Uh, uh, Rusty had a Rusty had a beer can, and he had it open. He ran back and held that beer can. He hit me. He hit me right in the forehead with it. <laughs> beer went everywhere on the floor. <laughs> and I turned around. And I he picked me up and I said, "Throw me in the rail." And I mean, these ain't ropes. Yeah, these man. were actual They're steel. The deal. Yeah, they were a the real deal. I said, "Throw me into the." Uh, Throw me into the railing. Sean grabbed, uh, Rusty grabbed me back behind the head and he threw me. And as soon as my foot hit, hit that, uh, beer that was in the floor, I slipped, went head first right into the railing. Boom! (laughs) I'm sitting there and my eyes are crossed. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then Rusty leaned down and said, <laughs> "You okay, brother?" <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Man, that was cool." <laughs> he picked me up through me in the ring. I'm sitting there, and I'm still trying to get my, collect my thoughts for a minute. And John and Rusty are out on the floor, and they're going through the crowd. And and finally, we got back into the ring, and uh, I I can't recall if we went uh if we got DQ. I think we got DQ'd that match. Come back, had another one, and uh, come back, had another match, and it was a false count anywhere. All right, building's packed out. Mm -hmm. Building is packed out. And uh, this time, we switched up. I was working Sean, and uh, John was working with Rusty. So, man, and I don't know why, but Sean always loved to fight out on the floor. Bro, I took the hardest chair shot in my life Oof. from Rusty. He hit me so hard in the back. I was up, I was on full, all fours. He took that chair, steel chair and he hit me right in the back. And I kid you not, God, standing in front of me on ten bibles, that the imprints of the chair were in my back. The imprints. i was sitting there feeling my back, and I went. I said, what did you do to me? Dang, bro, that was awesome. <laughs> well, he's like, well, you got a big old wide back. But, I yeah. can lay it in there. Well, he did. And he did. He laid that sucker right in there. And uh, he was like, Dang, bro, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so in uh, came the Dobbins, Dobbins boys. And I'm like, what are they doing here? But at that time, uh, we got the back. And I looked at him and I said, what are y'all doing here? He said, oh, man, we're fixing to run an angle with these guys. I said, what? Uh. I said, I, I'd said it twice. I said, what? He said, yeah. He said, we're coming in here. We're we're jumping in to run an angle with them. They didn't even know it. And uh, and it really upset Sean and Rusty really bad because we had such a great chemistry between us four. We had already planned, We you know, we was gonna run the angle for seven, eight months. Mm. I mean, we was gonna, you know, I mean, we was gonna tear tear the house down, and I mean, we've already had two matches, and one was a pull apart, another one was a, a yeah, they won, they went over on the second one, and uh, and then what I didn't know until Bill had told me later that they were doing the talent exchange. Yeah. Before we get to that, let's take,
1: take a quick break. All right. So Bill comes to you and talks to you about this talent exchange. Now, what's this talent exchange? Where
0: is Halsey going? Well, uh, before this happened, Dusty Rhodes ran a show in Cleveland. So I went down there. I actually I, I called in a promoter. I was booked at a show the night he was supposed to be in Cleveland. So I called the promoter. I was going to meet Dusty. Mm. So I called the promoter. I canceled the show and uh, went to uh, to National Guard Armory in Cleveland. And uh, I was uh, Jimmy. I can't remember his last name. It was a guy named Jimmy and a guy called Pops. His name was Rodeo. God rest his soul and uh they they kept calling me, Dusty wants to meet you, Dusty wants to meet you. just come to the show so i I showed up <coughs> and uh after the show's over with they they got me they put they brought me in the back and uh said, Dusty' will be here in a minute and I'm sitting here and i'm I'm nervous <laughs> I mean, here's a man that I watched I mean even people portrayed me to be as when I was in middle school, yeah. Cause you know how big, ba- I mean how big it was getting back then. Sting, Dusty, Luger, Nikita. You never, I never even knew, barely knew what WWF was. Right. It was NWA. That was it. Yeah. And uh, I'm sitting there at the table and I'm waiting, and all of a sudden the door opens up, and here comes this man who I thought was probably at least six foot four. It's probably no more than five foot ten. <laughs> He had that look, and it, it, it took me back to a vision when he was at '86 in the First Blood match against Tully Blanchard, and then he walked through that door with the same look on his face, and my mouth, my, my jaw hit the floor. God, this is really the dream. <laughs> this is the dream. This is man. the dream. So we sat down, and we started talking. He sh- we shook hands, and we started talking. He said, uh, "He said, how long you been? He said, how long you been working, kid?" And I was like, I, I think at the time it was 10, 11 years. I said, I've been in it going on 10, 11 years. And he said, he just shook his head and said, uh, well, you mind if we take a look at you? I said, no, by all means, go ahead. He said, uh, who are you working for? I said, Bill Behrens. He said, he kind of had that little sly grin on his face. He said, I know Bill. <laughs> I know Bill. He said, "Uh, we'll be right. we'll we'll be in touch with you. Well, then that's when... We were at the show because I didn't really expect to hear back from Dusty at all. Yeah. I really didn't because he could get anybody he wanted snap right. of his finger. And, uh, and then that's when Jason and I can't remember the other guy's name, Jason and John Dobbins, the Dobbins twins. That's when they showed up down there in that old old school building and, and uh, and, when that was going on, and that I'm like, "What are y'all doing here?" He's like, "Oh man, we are come down here to <laughs> we're, we're we're you know we're gonna work an angle with these guys. We're doing the running and they were actually sitting out in the crowd, mm. and I, I didn't even really notice them until they climbed over the rail, right, and started beating the heck out of Sean and Rusty. And I'm like, "What in the world are these guys doing here? What's Dusty's boys doing here?" And then we got in the back, and then we. All everything started coming out, and then Bill says, you're going to Dusty's. <laughs> so I was sitting there going, okay. Oh, hey, All that's right. what I'm talking about. Okay. Uh, you know, it kind of sucked because I really busted my hump there at uh, Wildside for two years. I really did. But I can say this, that my level of work went up 10 notches because of them, because I was able to adapt to working smaller guys yeah. and keep up with them, I can't now. <laughs> you Might as well go ahead and give me a, you know, a cane or one of those walker walkers. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, nah. Nah, nah, <laughs> yeah, but but no no no, but 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 I really do owe a lot to NWA Wildside. Owe a lot to Bill. I was able to be around the guys I, I worked there and they taught me a lot there was a lot of things i learned uh not only was i able to do have a ground game but i could get up in the air as well yeah and uh that's always what happens
1: whenever you you know if you i've always told guys if you stay at the same show working the same people yeah you're never going to get better. No. But when you when you travel, when you work different shows and work different people and, and you go to these different shows and, you know, a lot of people are intimidated to work people who are better than them. Mm-hmm. But that's the ones you should want. Yeah. You should want to be in the ring with the guys who are better than you because if you listen and you take in like a sponge... Take in what they're what they're doing, mm-hmm. you know.
0: It's going to help you. Yeah. You know, you're only as good as the people who you're working with. Yeah, and I, so, and I can tell you right now, I was around some world class athletes. I, I'm telling you, like I said, AJ Styles, Caprice Coleman, uh, Adam Jacobs, John Phoenix, uh, Onyx, Kyle Neely. Uh, we had we had one match that was just it was just off the chain, and it was actually it was a Wildside sold out. Mm-hmm. They sold out. Jerry Palmer bought uh, NWA Wildside from Bill, and they called it NWA Anarchy. Right. And a lot of fan after Wildside died, a lot of the fans left. So mm-hmm. they were doing everything they could to bring in new new fans, and it was, it was different. It wasn't wild side, but, you know, anarchy, it was it was a lot more laid back in there because the locker room, when you walked into that dressing room during a wild side show, you could take a knife and you could cut the air. Yeah. It was so intense in that room because everybody, I mean, every single loving person brought their A game. Right. Every single TV tape and then the uh, – I mean, you just start breaking out sweat as soon as you start walking through the door. It was it was that mm-hmm. intense in there. Because everybody was trying to outdo everybody. Everybody's trying to get top spot. Sorry, you're not gonna beat AJ Styles. Period. <laughs> you're not gonna outdo AJ Styles. That's why he's in WWE right now. Yeah. And uh and one, the one that one guy I really like to give a shout out to is, is a man named Jeff G. Bailey. This man, he was by far to me. And to a lot of other people, that man deserved to be in mainstream he was he he was magic behind the stick that man could cut a promo like nobody's business he could get a crowd wirled up like nobody and he he was just uh he, he was he was phenomenal that man shouldn't have been a millionaire in this business yeah. and it's a shame to see a man that had such talent and uh such charisma. To not be in the mainstream, it, it's a shame. And if I had three of my top favorite managers in the business, Jeff G Bailey be one of them, Cornette and Heenan's the other one. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's a heck of a crowd to be. oh in. I'm telling you, he <laughs> he he would have he would have done phenomenal in it. And uh you know, TNA was a fool for not signing him. Yeah, TNA was just an absolute fool for not signing him because you know. Nothing against Scott DeMore, but he walking down the ring going, whoo, hoo hoo hoo,", hoo. <laughs> And Jeff G. Bailey could just, he could grab a mic, he could turn around. <laughs> he, he could, Jeff could turn around and look at somebody cross-eyed, and they'd be just fired Man. up at him. He'd be just, <laughs> and he didn't have real heat. This dude had white heat. He had somebody wanting to kill him every single show. <laughs> now let me I'll get i we'll get back to Dusty right here in just a second, but I'm gonna tell tell us one tale about Jeff. We were doing a show up in Kingsport, Tennessee, where uh, Innovate Wrestling is. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Bailey has no filter on his mouth when it comes to a crowd. He called this old boy SOB. <laughs> <laughs> here comes Jeff right through the curtain. Boom, <laughs> he grabs the chair. He grabs a chair, and that guy starts coming through that curtain. Jim hauls that chair off and throws it at him, (laughs) and he almost hits that guy. Then he gets behind me He says, get him, Henry. Take care of him. (laughs) 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 And I'm sitting there, and I grab that guy, and I'm sitting there pushing him back, holding him back. And there's two other guys grab Jeff and Jeff screaming, You wanna die? You wanna die? I'll freaking kill you. You wanna die? You am <laughs> after I'll kill you and I turn around and I look Jeff, you all right? And he just smiles and says, I'm fine, brother. Oh, I said, You are magic. That's, man. A, that's that good kind of heat it that you,
1: those are the kind of people that you wanna that you wanna work in front of. Yeah. But so going back to you going to work for Dusty, now, now before you get into this, I'm gonna go ahead and tell a story. Okay. Uh, that that happened when I was just a couple of months in the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody has always heard me call you "Hawthie, baby." Right. And uh, you know that that spread through the locker rooms and 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 everything. But where that came from was uh, this time when. I had just broke in the business and you were booked for TNA Mm -hmm. and I ride to the fairgrounds in Nashville with you and so we're there early in the day and uh, we're we're conversing and and hanging out you know and and I'll never forget uh, coming down the hallway with his arms wide open (laughs) is <laughs> the American Dream really, the Roll. <laughs> and he says, Huffy Baby! <laughs> and he comes up, gives you a big hug. So that's where, for any of the boys who might listen to this, who, who wondered where that ever come from, or or any of the other listeners who wonder why I call you Huffy Baby, that's that's the reason because that very first uh, meeting with Dusty. That's that's what I'm. That's what I get to see is him coming down the hallway with his arms spread wide open and saying, healthy baby." So, <laughs> so, all right. Anyway, so you leave NWA Wildside and you are going to Dusty Rhodes Turnbuckle
0: Championship Wrestling. Yes. So, first match we had in Cleveland. Uh, Dusty asked if I'd help promote it, so I was I was promoting the show, was putting out the posters, I was selling tickets. I sold over two thousand dollars worth of tickets for the show, and uh, I think we had probably. But well, you were there. Oh yeah, you was there. You yep. called me. You care if I come? I was like, well, I don't care. Come <laughs> on, kid. And we, uh, we were at ever. We were at
1: every one of those things. I mean, those were some really hot shows. We loved them I
0: think and I believe that the first show that we were there that night I was booked for my first show, I think we I think we probably had five hundred people in that building. Easy. Yeah. And uh and uh so I was working uh what's what's his name? Palm Beach boy Scotty. Yeah, yeah. And uh I remember there was a time right right began the match, we locked up, I hit him with a spear and I was I was, you know, giving him shots to the, to the forehead, and they took a pic. I got a picture. Okay, I got a picture while I'm straddling and I'm hitting him right in the head, top of the head. <laughs> there you are standing up. Oh, really? Matt Jordan, Jay West, you're all standing up. Your mouth. You got this great big giant smile on your face. Matt's throwing his arms up in there, and Joey's throwing his arms up in there. <laughs> And I'm sitting there going, man, this is a classic right here. But, uh, you know, went over. Everybody was loving it. and Dusty gets jumped. Dusty's in the main event. He gets jumped by, I think it was Sonny Siaki and I think Flair. uh, David Flair and Sonny Siaki were doubling down. I come in, make the save, boom, boom, boom. And then the next time we bring the show back, I'm tagging with Dusty. Yeah. And then... (laughs) And then we're working Flair and, and uh, Siaki, and then uh, uh, that match went over great. I, of course, uh, I, I gigged in that match from uh, Siaki hit me with a cowbell. Of course, I can't tell you how many times I've gigged over that thing. <laughs>
1: I know. It always uh, seems, you know, we take them to the ring, but
0: it always seems that they get used on us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And so I cut a promo and, you know, I was challenging Siaki to a up match and mm-hmm. <clears throat> Dusty was gonna be handcuffed, you know, uh I think her name was Desire. It was Siaki's girlfriend yeah. or his wife. And uh but we did a lot of shows around Atlanta, did uh some in North Carolina. Uh Dusty did a uh he I think the right when he first started up, he he did like a twenty day twenty day run. Mm-hmm through you know, he was trying to get back to territory is what he was trying to do. Right. So kind of like the mid Atlantic because he sitting down, sit down in his office with him, he was explaining to me what he was trying to do. And I mean, you know, I'm sitting there at my shoot job and you know I'm on I'm on lunch, I turn around and look and I get I say I got a call, I check the voicemail, Dusty. I mean I mean, even though it's a great feeling knowing that somebody reached out to you, somebody with that credibility and being a legend in the business, yeah. a former NWA world champion calling you saying, Hey, let's do this. I want to talk to you about this. Or what do you think about this? And it, it was, it was great. That's, you know, it, it, great it's, it's, it's awesome. And, and, uh, but when, uh, I know when I started hearing less and less from dusty and I knew something was up and then that's when he, he, uh, it was it was about ten thirty one night, and I was I was getting ready to go to bed, and uh, so Dusty calls me. He said, uh, "Just going to let you know." He said that I've been offered a job by Vince to uh, be the head trainer at a school down in Orlando. He said so. I'm not saying I'm shutting the doors on TCW, but just just letting you know mm. what what could be happening, and uh, and so. Dusty took the job. He, he closed the doors on TCW. And uh, that was, I guess that was around 04, 05. But so he, they opened up the train center in, in Orlando. Dusty moved from, uh, uh, he lived in Barnell, Georgia, which yeah. is right outside of Atlanta. <coughs> oh, excuse me. or was Barnell, Marietta. But uh, so he moved to Orlando and, uh, that's pretty much the last I heard from him. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, there'd be from time to time we, we talk on the phone. I mean, we'd even tried to plan even going deer hunting, but, you know, his obligations, you yeah. know, uh, he couldn't do it. But after there for a while, uh, you know, I got to where he was so busy that we just, we never did talk no more. But, uh, there's one thing I left out before all this occurred and I I do want people out there to know there was a man called Bob Sapp okay Mm. and a lot of people don't know this but and I I owe Bill Behrens this too Uh, I got invited to go to WCW's power plant work out with the developmental boys and uh, really, I guess this is the most satisfying uh, compliment of my career ever. I was there for eight hours. I dropped four pounds <laughs> in eight hours. That's how much they, they That's worked. That's a good us. workout. That's how much they worked <clears throat> us. And I, I'm sitting there, I'm, I, I, was, I was probably hitting about three, three twenty 325, 320, 325. They weighed it. They said, this is what we do every morning. We go in there, we weighed Come back out uh come back out, get in the ring, start doing stretches, and we start going through the workouts. And uh <clears throat> now here you got this guy named Dwayne Bruce.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Buddy Lee, State Trooper buddy Lee Parker. Yeah. And this dude's <clears throat> five foot nine, two hundred and thirty pounds, and nothing but a volcano. <laughs> and he looks like he he just a slow walking dude. Got neck muscles up behind his ear, ears. And uh, after I he got in the ring, and I was working with Mike Graham, who was you know legendary now oh, in yeah. Florida. I was working out. I was with Mike Graham. It was me and Bob and Dwayne getting in the ring with us, and we'd work out. And he would say, "Now he he show me something." He looked at me, and says, "He says now nah, I know you know this." And I said, "No, no." I said, "I'm here to learn, man. I'm here just to just get better." And uh, after that day, he said, "Hey, he said hey kid, come here. I want you to step in my office." So we walked over, there, and uh, by that time I knew WCW were on their heels because mm-hmm. they I saw their schedule, and all they had was eight shows a month when it used to be twenty twenty two. Yeah, it was Monday to it was Tuesday Wednesday Tuesday Nitro Wednesday Thunder, and uh, that's that's all they had was TV tapings because they had no other shows. I saw their schedule. It was it was on I I'm sitting there befuddled. Cause I'm like you you gotta this, powerhouse of a company and now you went from twenty, 20 to twenty four shows a month down to eight. Yeah. That's it. And he, he pulled me to the side. He said, if this company wasn't such an uproar, he said, I'd get you in here. And it, to me that That's was cool. it that was the most the most uh gratifying t- gratify- yeah, gratifying compliment I'd ever took in my life. A man of a head train, a head trainer, to sit there and saw something in me, knowing that after years of being pushed aside or 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 uh, being told, well, you know your image doesn't fit our style. Mm-hmm. To sit there, I, I don't care if you like my gimmick. Uh, yeah. If you don't like my gimmick, tell me. Change my it. Gimmick, I'll, cha- be, I'll change it. You know, I'll be Big Bird. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> pin me, pay me. But exactly, <laughs> but. For a man of his credibility to sit there and and, and to train people like Goldberg. Mm -hmm. He trained Goldberg. He trained Diamond Dallas Page. All these guys that were world champions tells me, you got what it takes to make it in this business. And it it was was the most gratifying compliment I'd ever taken in my life. So if I ever accomplished anything in this business, that was most satisfying to me. I mean that. So I just wanted to throw that back in there because I I went through all that without saying anything about it. But well, yeah, tell tell the story about uh, working out with Bob Sapp. You were telling me the other day. Oh about, my God! How strong
1: oh, got this guy was. This
0: dude, oh man. This dude was a mountain of muscle. I'm on. I'm gonna tell you. He he had muscles on his fingertips. <laughs> okay. This dude was six eight, six nine, three hundred and sixty pound. Had a six pack. He had 29-inch arms. He bench-pressed 606 pounds 12 times. (laughs) 12 times. And he probably didn't even start straining until about the 10th or 11th one. Man. But we was was working through our match, and it was for one of the Friday night, one of the house shows. sometimes, Sometimes during the month, I'd pull double duty. I'd do a house show. I'd stay the night in Cornelia and do the TV taping the next day. And, uh, but I I got him in a headlock and that son of a gun, he picked me up like in a backdrop Mm -hmm. and I'm in a 20 by 20 ring and he threw me 18 feet across the ring. (laughs) I'm 325 pounds yeah, and he picked me straight up and he pushed me with one arm. And I shot. And I'll kid you. I look like the dang rainbow. If I had to keep, I look like Superman. I'm not kidding. He threw me, and my feet hit. Not my feet hit. I turned, and my back was against the post on the other side of the ring. Mm, that's I mean, some that, strength, right there. That man was. That man was super, super strong. Uh, we, me, and Bob stayed in touch for four or five years until he. He. I think he's living over in Japan now with his. Uh, his fiance or his wife oh he opened up a couple businesses over there they gave him the and Tony who's like the the god of wrestling mm-hmm. over there he 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 loved bob and uh called him the american sensation and uh that's when he went to that pride fight over yeah. there i guess wrestling didn't work out too well for him but he got in a pride fight because it was more money yeah and i remember one day uh during when we were working out together, we went, he and I went out to lunch and he, he, he was living in some uh, condominium in Atlanta. And he says, I got my personal chef coming over preparing all my meals. <laughs> and I said, what? <laughs> he said, he said, brother, I, he said, I ain't made less than six figures since I was 22 years old. Wow. And, uh, he, he played for uh Washington Huskies. Then he, uh, got then he uh, I think he went undrafted and he, uh, was trying out for the Oakland Raiders, then Oakland Raiders. And uh he got cut with them, so that's when he decided to get into pro wrestling. And uh but he was a super cool guy, super cool guy. Uh I hadn't talked to Bob in probably a good four or five years. But heck, when it's daylight here it's yeah, there's sleep over there, so but uh but it it was a great experience. I owe a lot of that to Wildside, and I owe a lot of that to Bill Barron's too because uh, if it weren't for him, I never had that opportunity. And, and, uh, Dusty had a big hand and, uh, get me booked at TNA as well as Bill did. They, they were both working. Bill was, you know, I was, I worked Shane Douglas, the franchise yeah. Shane Douglas. <clears throat> and, uh, that was probably the best three minute match I ever had right there. <laughs> we, we actually had cut a cut of a spot out. He said, scratch this spot, go straight to this. And, and, uh, Cause we was back there in the gorilla, yeah. you know, waiting to go out, and uh, Jerry Jarrett said, "You got seven minutes to the ring and back." <laughs> so we had to go to the engine. we had to go down the ramp to the ring, get introduced, do the match, and it'd be back out within seven and a half minutes. So make the best of it. So we made the best of it, and it it was it was a it wasn't a very long match, but it was a good quick match. Yeah. And uh, you know, after the match was over with, uh, you know how some some of the bigger names they just go into their about their way, and they go in their locker room. And when I walked through, back through the curtain, Shane was standing there, mm. and he shook my hand. He said, "Man," he said, "Man, it was a good match." He said, "I know it was short." He said, "I really would like to work to you longer." He said, "That was a good match, thank you." And you know that was one um, one great experience too I had in the business because Shane and I. Through the whole pay-per-view, sit back there and talk the whole show. Yeah. We are talking about kids. We was talking about our families. Uh, Shane, I follow Shane on uh, Twitter. He follows me. Uh, and sometimes I'll shoot him a message and see how he's doing and stuff. And uh, he he's probably don't, doesn't remember who I am now because like that's been what god 17, 17 years Let's ago see. it was two thousand two thousand. it was
1: 2003 yeah it was o- 18 years o- yeah
0: 18 years and, almost yeah uh october 20 it was october ninth 2003 and uh you know I'm, i remember uh when flip phone, flip phones were cool because yeah. he, he was talking to his son he was talking to his little boy that was dressed up like a power ranger and he was talking to his son and he got done and I showed him pictures of Hannah and Danielle. And, uh, it was just, it was, it was great. Yeah. You know, and for a guy and especially, you know, a gratifying compliment as well when a man stood right there at the, at the gorilla and waited on me to come back there, to just shake my hands and say, had great match. And, and then, uh, it, it was great. I mean, when we Jimmy Hart was there, I wish we could have. I could have been booked for the next show because Sting was supposed to be there that that show, <laughs> you know. And then, uh, <clears throat> but it it was good. It was definitely good times, and I've had a lot of great experiences. And and uh, you know, I would have liked to have you know at least worked the mainstream, but I'm glad to see my, one of my proteges, you Rivers, got to experience that. So that made me feel good as a trainer uh that that helped you guys that were getting into the business and, and it y'all was able to work your ways and I know there was a lot of great guys along the way that helped y'all get there as well. You know, Chase Stevens, I like Chase. Yeah. Even though I've only met him a handful of times, we've always been cool. And uh, you know i know y'all i heard y'all talk about burt quite a bit and, <laughs> and uh we'll, well that's another story there because burt cracks me up every time he talks i start busting out <laughs> laughing and uh <laughs> but uh but yeah so let's fast forward but i fast forward back to dusty dusty takes the job so uh after dusty closed the doors i basically took some a little bit more time off yeah. uh uh and actually, uh, there was a there was a I was I watched a few small shows here and there, and then uh, I went back to Anarchy in '06, and mm-hmm. uh, I got in good with them, and uh, was really they was really starting to push me, and then I got a, a shoot job offer that I couldn't turn down. Yeah, so I took that job. And uh, I I couldn't make every TV tape in there, so you know, in this business, business goes on with or without you. Right. Even when we're dead in the ground, business going wrestling is gonna keep going. <clears throat> so I started working for a guy named Jesse Ellis out of Harrogate, Tennessee. Uh, uh UCW because UCW because his his way he ran his shows worked with my work schedule, mm-hmm. and so he he was probably one of the hottest uh, indie any shows in that area at the time and uh, they brought me in and uh, I, i'm sure you know shane williams the king shane yeah. williams he was heavyweight champion and uh jeff anderson was was the top heel of the company so i was sitting out in the crowd so i got in contact uh, i think it was john justice who contacted me and uh he said this is how we're going to bring you in he said you're going to be sitting in the crowd with your kids he said then during the match main event you're going to jump in you're going to jump shane so <clears throat> we're sitting there and uh it just so happens that hannah's pitching coach tony nicholson was sitting there in the crowd with us his daughter and his son was with them and i looked at tony because i told tony what was going on and I was like i told him i looked at him i said it's about time i said you got him he said i got him you're good and as soon as uh Shane went to go give Jeff the pile driver, I jumped in the ring, started just waylaying Shane. Boom, 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 boom. And the crowd just they're stunned. This is when I this this is my hill years here. Yeah. And then uh, <clears throat> I started beating the crap out of Shane. And Jeff Anderson rolled out of the ring and he's sitting there, he's selling, and I just I, I just level Shane. And then I roll out of the ring Jeff jumps up, and he looks at me and goes, Cousin! <laughs> You know, we, we hug one another, and he starts screaming, this is my cousin, this is my cousin, this is my cousin. Everybody's shooting us birds, cussing us. <laughs> uh, Lord, I mean, even the words they were saying out in the crowd would have made the Lord just turn around and just uh, squinch his teeth. And be <laughs> like, oh, I can't believe they're saying that. But we got in the back, and, and uh, that that's when uh, Henry Hall took off with United Championship Wrestling and, and uh, stayed the – worked for them till about two thousand I wanna say two thousand nine? Yeah. And uh and then there was a big war going on up there between three promotions. It was U C W, UWE and somebody else and and all the talent was pouring out was leaving Jess uh because of uh politics. Mm. And you know how bad politics yep. is in this sport. And uh, was one guy that, I mean, there was people calling in was a really, really disgruntled with a shot collar, And, uh, of course, one guy cut a promo saying, uh, my name's, uh, if my name's such and such, I'm getting uh, 95 title shots in one year. <laughs> and, you know, and you're, you're you know, you're, at the time you're a twenty four year old booker but you're already an eight time champion. Come mm-hmm. on, dude. Yeah. Come on, dude. And uh so that that company fizzled out. But I can say that I probably had one of my greatest tag matches ever. It it's definitely in my top three. And that we had a steel cage match at the National Guard Armory in Maryville. And uh we should have been main event. I'm going to say that we should have been main event of that show, but what they made us say, my main event, I said, don't worry about it, boys. I mean, because, you know, we we really had a huge uh, buildup for this match, mm-hmm. in the steel cage. And I turned around and said, boys, don't worry about it. I said, let's just go in there and blow the roof off. And uh, Now, who was it you was working with? I was working with a man named Chester, uh, Eric Gray, I think it's his name. God rest his soul. He'd been he'd been gone for about 10, 11 years. Died in his sleep hmm. and then I was working we was working death row inmates and it was uh, yeah. Willie Willie B-Bad and Jason Max and I'm talking about those four gargantuous men yeah. in there and they uh, were always fun to work with yes and uh, so I turned around and I said alright boys right here's what we're gonna do I said we're gonna do a tower of doom that's a big old tower of doom that was a huge <laughs> so here I mean we we went at it I, I bet we went it was a good thirty-five minutes in there, and uh, we were so into it, we were so into the match that uh, my drilling was rushing so hard that I told Jason to duck because I was going to do a spear. And I and he was standing up on the ropes, and I come off. Now this I, I, at that time I'd probably jumped up and wait to about three ninety. At that time I was I was pretty pumped. But I took off on one side, I took off where he was at. He was standing behind me, and I ran across the ring. I came off the ropes so I could keep building up steam. When I got about halfway across the ring, I was at full head of steam. And I was, I was trying <laughs> everything in my power to get that much faster. And when, he got, when I got right to him, I went ahead and I dove. I dove with probably about seven, eight foot left. And he dropped. when he dropped, I, I face planted in the, in the cage. I mean, I had marks all over my face (laughs) because I was. We were so, we were so pissed at the fact that they under they they shot caller did us the way they they did on uh, and the response we were getting from the crowds of the angle and the buildup and and we just we just we gave it every we laid everything we had we tore the house down we tore the house down and then when it come time to do the tower doom and of course they turn around they said who's gonna take it who's gonna be the one on top i said i am i'll take it i said i'm calling it i'm taking it i'll take the pen that's it so we turn around we got set up and they uh they were working me in the corner i was already bleeding like i mean i just my whole face was covered with blood chester was bleeding all over the place and the shot caller at the time didn't want death row bleeding because, come on, man. You got four guys beating the heck out of one another in a cage. Everybody should be bleeding. <laughs> okay? I mean, we're sitting there face-planting everybody in the steel cage, and they're not It don't getting... make much sense. No, me. it don't. It's stupid. But anyway, that's that's what – never mind. I don't want to get <laughs> – <laughs> But so we we come to the time where we're setting up for the Tower of Doom, <clears throat> and they – team Chester, they – gave him a double clothesline and double leg drop or something like that. He's laying in the ring. They double team me. They set me up on top, and uh, they get up on the second rope. Then they pick me up, or, you know, I, I'm slowly trying to pull myself up. I get on top of the cage. They hook me, and then I seen Chester roll, and he got up under them. And Then when I seen him lock his arms around their legs, I said, go. And here we come. They said it looked like one of them big red oaks out in California. Phew. Wow. And just so happened. And when that was the first time I ever got a whole leash. Sh- <laughs> all right leash. All right. That, that's a big old, that's a big old, uh, that's a big old towel right Da David Pearson's got it on video. Oh, okay. He's got it on video. I've tried every way in the world to get that. I love that match, but. And so I, I sit there, and that, that was it. They they uh, put the Tower of Doom on me, and I took the bump, and I'm laying in the middle of the ring. And uh, so Willie rolls over to me, and he says, you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. He said, uh, I'm going to do a splash off top. I said, kill me. <laughs> kill me. He got on top, 385 pounds, came off top and hit me with a splash. Really? One, two, three. And I'm laying there. Dude, I didn't move. I just I'm sitting there just sucking wind and uh Jesse Ellis <laughs> after the match was over with Bill grabbed my head and he said brother I love you he said you're freaking awesome he said I ain't never seen nobody do something like that or, mm. or take that he said you're fr- freaking awesome he said I promise you'll get your payback of course I I knew it was cause they, they were that type of guys if yeah. you're gonna put them over and make them look that good they're gonna let you do it to them right and uh so the first thing they roll out they're you know they're celebrating and uh they're celebrating and then uh, they go into the back well here comes jesse the owner of the, of the company first thing he does instead of getting in the ring to check on the to check on us first thing he does he pulls our apron up looks up under the ring <laughs> <laughs> Now, he paid $3,500 for a new wrestling ring. That was a brand new <laughs> wrestling shirt, ring. And he's trying to make sure that it wasn't broke. But the the main beam in the in the ring bent when we did that. We're talking 1,500 pounds. Yeah. And coming down was force, And I was every bit of 12, 10, 12 feet up in the air. And now mm-hmm. I'm three, I was, I was at that time, like I said, I was pushing three eighty, three ninety, and come crashing down. And you got Chester's 480 pound. You got Willie, it's 385. You got Jason weighing right at 300. And I mean, but we set the tone for that show. It was Tennessee war games. And uh, Jesse got in the ring, said, you okay? And I said, I'm fine. I said, I'm perfect, man. I wasn't hurting, nothing. I, I was feeling great. And uh, Manchester, we slowly started working our way up. And, <clears throat> and then this was my first ovation. Mm. Crowd stood up and applauded. That was a good one. That was a good one. Man. So that
1: that might answer the question, but I was wanting to wrap this thing up uh, with, with asking you a couple of questions. Okay. And the first one, what is your favorite
0: match? What is my favorite match? Of that, you know, actually uh, – or maybe you could do a top three. I'd do a top three. Uh, bull rope match I had with Sonny Siaki. Well, actually, I got a bunch of them, man. I got, I got to throw Johnny Rock in there, too, because I love working with Johnny Rock. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny Rock. Johnny Rock wasn't nothing but a dream yeah. to work with. Man, the sweetest super kick anybody could ever throw. Johnny Rock could do it. Love that boy. Yep. Love him. Uh, my favorite top three, and I, there's, brother, I've had so many good matches. I just, I, it's hard, but I, I can say this. Uh, Tennessee War Games, 08, Steel Cage, Mexican Death Match, when Man Rivers was, ta- uh, main Rivers were tagging as old school outlaws. That mm-hmm. was MSWA. Uh Johnny Rocks one of, Johnny Rock. We had a match in Dayton. That was a, one of my favorite matches. Uh, the double bull rope match I had yeah, with uh, Ewan Rivers and Silvers, and uh, the bull rope match I had with Terry Knight at Hardcore Hell two thousand one. Yeah, I've watched I've watched that one on tape. That one was a good one. Yeah, it was, we we was bleeding boy. That's and matter of fact, uh, Terry. Terry Knight got shipped with us to, uh, me, it was actually, it was me and Terry that got, they got shipped to Dusty's. Dusty's. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And John just, he flipped them bird and said, I'm done. <laughs> he flipped them bird and I'm done with the business. Cause after that, he, that's the only main reason why he was, he was still hanging on because he was still, he was wanting that angle with me to work, uh, total destruction. And uh, after that happened right there, he said, I'm not coming back. Yeah. And he told, Bill, he told me that he told Bill, so I'm not coming back. He said, we had a great angle, and you screwed it up, I'm gone. And yeah. I don't think he's been back since. Well, it, it might not have been good
1: for him, and, and it wasn't, you know, like you said, you, you wasn't really happy about the way your wild side days ended. But it did benefit you. Uh, you going to work for Dusty and everything. Yeah. Uh, but wrapping this thing up, I do, I do want to say that, you know, we always were at those TCW shows at the Cleveland Armory, yeah. And you know, I've told you before that watching you tagging with Dusty, you know, your angle with Siaki, your angle with Flair, uh, you know that that motivated me. Yeah. You know, it was like, okay, hometown guy, yeah. <laughs> he's doing it, I can do it too. That's right.
0: You yeah. know, but, so, you, but you did it better. Uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't. Well, yeah. Look at it like this now, son. You went to the mainstream. Well, oh, yeah. that well to me that was an accomplishment to me, because somebody that I took I took rivers under my my wing. We'll get another story once we. But I would uh, let you know life to continue to talk about <clears throat> when me and rivers got together as old school outlaws because we did go on a tear there yeah. for a while. But but taking guys like you. And rivers, putting y'all under my wing and giving y'all the foundations to the business, what to do, how to m- improve yourself, what to d- uh, what to say, what not to say, being a sponge, taking in everything you can. Um, and uh, you know it paid off for you guys. And to yeah. me, that that's a great accomplishment. My career as a as a teacher. Yeah. And uh, so so, it, it's I've had a good career. I, and. I, I wish I could have been mainstream. Wish I could have went to Japan, but it didn't work out, but I am I'm, I'm still overall happy with the way things turned out. Yeah. As they have so well, like I always
1: tell everybody, we can sit here and talk for days, but we gotta save some for a part two down the road. But uh you got anything you'd like to say in closing?
0: In closing, uh I will be back. <laughs> I will be back. Part two is coming up, so you better uh, how they say you better you better uh, who was god what was it old savage always said you better buckle down because it's gonna be a bumpy bumpy ride oh yeah
1: <laughs> 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 all right on that note we'll see you later thanks for listening to wrestling for the faith with casey cage sponsorship opportunities are available contact us at wrestling for the faith at gmail.com for more
0: information